Welcome to Dishy Mix. I'm your host, Susan Bratton. And on today's show, you're going to get to meet Oren Klaff. Oren is the author of a book that I devoured and then emailed to about 25 of my favorite people and said, you have to buy this and read it immediately. It will change the way you are fundamentally creating and producing any kind of online marketing that you're doing. Uh, Oren's the director of capital markets for an investment banking company called Intersection Capital. So he's a deal guy. He's Mr. Deal Flow. And he doesn't like to get in the car and go make a sales call unless he's going to get the order. And that's what this book is about. It's about learning how to leverage new advances in understanding neuroscience, neuromarketing, and the way we as human beings and individuals react to getting a pitch. And I am going to talk specifically about how we can use what Oren knows in online marketing. When we're trying to sell people online, when we're not IRL in real life, when we're actually leveraging the internet, whether it be video sales letters or YouTube or a landing page or email marketing, how do we pitch anything and win more deals? So let's get Oren on the show. Welcome, Oren. Susan, talk to me. <laughs> All right, here's what I want to talk to you about. Uh, let's start with the fundamentals. So, as marketers, we're entirely too obsessed with the details of our own things, all our own features and benefits. How do we pull our heads out of our butts and blast them up 10,000 feet to get to the emotional angle of a pitch? You say that the crock brain, which is what we're talking about here, is the psychology, the science of how our bodies respond to information. This crock brain wants the big picture, big concrete chunks of information, not lots of bullet points, simple visuals, dealing in the here and now that makes it safe for that crock brain to go, huh? Maybe I should pay attention. So how do we engender trust while also getting the emotion going and still deliver a message. How do you balance all of that? Okay. So I'm going to give you a little bit of context before we dive into that. So what is fascinating to me is the world that you guys live in because you get so many tries as online marketers, right? To try different things out and find what works. (laughs) And as you said to me, when we started talking earlier, increase conversion rates. Yeah, that's what right? we do. But the world that I came from, that I want to take you into for just one minute, has no um, traffic. You get one meeting, and sometimes it takes you a month to get that meeting. And then you've got to fly to it, right? And, the, and you've got one chance, one bite at the apple, one shot, one kill. You walk into a boardroom. There are... Uh, what look like stone-faced trolls staring back at you. And you have got to be uh, transparent in your information, credible in the things you say, engaging the story you give, tell a story not about, th- about uh, things but about human characters, but it also has to have financial and economic elements, and it is daunting, right? So this is what I do for a living. I wake up. And I, I have to go pitch deals, raise money, walk into boardrooms. Sometimes these meetings take six weeks to get. So I have very, very limited um, um, chance to try things out. And so it's so important what you do in that room when you only have this one chance. So um, 
I spent tons of money that you probably wouldn't have spent on a cognitive psychologist. And I relayed to him the experiences that I was having. I walk into a room, right? And sometimes the room is responsive to me and they love me. And other times they stare back like stone gnomes, garden gnomes, right? Nothing's happening. What, what am I doing sometimes that's right and sometimes that's wrong? And so the, uh, cognitive, the cognitive guys say to me, listen, what you don't grasp is that the human mind is really three brains, and we'll describe them to you now, right? Because it formed over time, and the 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 um the brainstem, right, is what we're calling the crocodile brain. That is where all information comes into the human mind, right? It is where we process, we first process anything. You meet someone, the first words they say, the images they give, the words you type on your blog, the headlines, the images, the colors. Everything comes in through this brainstem and through the crocodile brain. On top, and that was the first to develop, right? As we were humans, the first part of our brains to develop. Okay, and the job of the crocodile brain is survival, keep you alive, right? If you didn't have that part of your brain, you wouldn't last ten minutes, right? The brain on top of that is the social brain, and that understands. Okay, Susan owns this. Uh, time we have together now and she can cut me off. And if I'm rude to her, right, I get disconnected, you bastard, right? And it understands that a cop can give us a ticket and a mom is important even though she doesn't have a lot of control over us and a boss and we have underlings. And so the social brain understands these massive um, networks of, of human relationships. A three-year-old is that may not understand math or very much about language understands a massive sp- spectrum of human relationships, right? And then on top of that is the neocortex, and that is the smart, linguistic, problem-solving, capable, uh, um, mathematical, physical uh, brain that we all think we're talking to, right? But you you cannot access the decision-making, linguistic part of the human mind without coming th- up through the crocodile brain. Mm-hmm. All right, and so the crocodile brain has some rules about how you can get past it, and it only responds to things that are visual, fast, highly uh, um, emotional, okay, um, that are concrete, okay, uh, and so if things are not put in context, visual, fast, concrete, emotional, and have have movement to it. Right? Then the croc brain ignores it because it's not related to survival. Mm-hmm. If the croc brain thinks it has ever seen something before, it ignores it because its job is to keep you alive. All right? So if you think about it, in some ways it's the CEO of the mind. You go to a CEO right, and you say, hey, um, I want to make you a presentation about an idea that we have. The CEO is going to act like the croc brain. He, croc brain, he's, he's in charge of the survival of the organization. So if you go to CEO, right, and it's not fast and visual, right, and concrete and emotional, he's not going to pay attention and say, I want to do this project, all right? So it, in order to access the decision-making part of the human mind and have it understand your offer and the words you're using and the economics of your offer, you have got to obey the fundamental um, desire of the crock brain to protect to protect the um, the individual you're pitching to or writing to from danger, right? So anytime the croc brain senses you're going to consume resources, 
consume mm-hmm. resources, um, it is going to reject you, right? It's got to be able – It's um, if it's moving slow, you're going to get rejected by the croc brain and not move up to the decision part of the human mind. If it's not visual, if it can't see it, rejection, right? If it's not put in human terms and human scale with human characters, it can't understand abstract things, all right? And if it's not fast – course it's not going to slow down and kind of pay attention to one thing the job of the crocodile brain is to keep you alive so when you understand the interplay between the neocortex which you need to talk to you can only reach it by coming up through the croc brain and that is a fundamental understanding so when i did that i could understand what was happening in boardrooms when you go into a boardroom right if um if it's if it's moving slow of course people check out if it's not concrete, there's nothing for them to latch onto, and they act in the early stages of a pitch and in the early stages of uh, of a blog post or whatever marketing you have. Right? It will act. Um, uh, the uh, the other human being will make the early part of their decisions through the crocodile brain and not through the linguistic smart neocortex. So we're very familiar with. Thank you for that. We're very familiar with the idea of. Um, Finding the emotional hook for our product or service, uh, using stories to tell, uh, leveraging testimonials and social proof to create safety and trust. These are things that as marketers we're naturally doing online. Where, what else can we do when we're I get caught in the the dynamic the 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 tension between hitting someone emotionally and creating trust. So okay. if, if the croc needs emotion and safety, a lot of times for a lot of marketers, the emotional hook isn't a safe one sometimes. Okay. Um, I took a look at a lot of internet marketing and blogs before I came here, right? And, um, and I see that storytelling is definitely kind of moving through this, this environment. It's become important. The problem is, I'm going to try and answer you directly, but I'm going to give you my impression of the problem. Mm-hmm. The stories are not fucking interesting. Yeah. Right? They, they are stories, right? Um, and one important element is stories are not what happened. It's who it happened to. That is fundamental. Okay, so when I go in and I pitch a hundred million dollar deal, right? I have to tell it in some sense as a finance story, right? But yeah. a finance story is completely abstract and it's not interesting. Who is affected by this financing? If it is a healthcare deal, right? Uh, you know, you know what I'm going to say next, right? So, um, what is, what is so important about the storytelling, right? Is that you, I mean, if a meteor comes and hits me in a minute from now, this is the one thing to remember about my time on Earth, right? You cannot be able to guess the end of the story, all right? If someone can guess the end of your story, then it is not serving any purpose. Stories are there to build intrigue, to raise emotion, right, and to make a compelling point. But if somebody feels like they know the end of the story, you hate a movie 
that you know how it's going to turn out. And you hardly ever go see the same movie twice because you know what's going to happen. Stories have to have intrigue. This is a huge problem with magazines and and, um, newspapers today and blogs. From the headline, you know, you know, bus hits man and he dies leaving family behind. What the fuck am I going to read the rest of the article for? Mm -hmm. All right. Excuse me, but I get excited about this. All right. So, you know, I have a very simple formula for making sure my stories have a narrative arc or an architecture Mm -hmm. that's compelling and intriguing. Right. So the way I like to describe it is you put a man in the jungle, Mm -hmm. as you read in the book, you put a man in the jungle. And have the beasts attack. Right? The man is scared and it looks like he's going to die. And he runs from the edge of the jungle to safety. Okay? But you don't know if he gets there or not. And for as long as you don't know as he gets there or not, there is intrigue in this story. Okay? Have you seen the show Survivor Man? It's awesome. Guy, you know, he goes out in the jungle or in the desert or, or whatever, um, just by himself and he films himself, right? And, um, and usually he lasts a couple days out in the jungle, but it's very, you know, it's not that dangerous. But there's one, he went to Borneo and he hears, uh, um, and they build a lot of drama in it, right? But he hears this, right? And it's a, and he's like, that's a jaguar, right? <laughs> He's like, that's a Jaguar. This show is over. He throws down all his equipment and runs back to the village. Right? So, you know, um, anyway, stories have to, um, hold intrigue, mm-hmm. right? And they can't tell the whole story. The other thing is they have to have stakes. So when guys tell, mm-hmm. or women, okay, when guys or women, when I see them writing these blogs about their own personal life, it is all the significance of nuns knitting. These stories have no stakes, right? So if you're going to use storytelling, which I have to do in the most hardcore financial environments you'll ever be in, right? We have to use storytelling ourselves. Mm-hmm. The story has to build intrigue. It's to build intrigue. You cannot guess the end of the story and there has to be high stakes. Okay. And if you don't have those elements, Right? Then you're not using storytelling well and you're, you're boring your audience, right? And for me, for me, now going back to your question, the big thing is how do you remain credible but still build intrigue, you know, drop these intrigue pings, keep people's attention by dropping these dopamine pings, but still be transparent and credible. And that is the magic of the pitch, right? When you, when you hit that, um, uh, when you hit that in stride and you do that well, mm-hmm. right? When you hold people's attention with the intrigue, you deliver information along the way. You do it around human characters that have high stakes involved, right? And you anchor it with real proof points, right? Remember, I said if a meter hits me, remember this one thing. I have a second thing: proof points. You cannot just say shit. All right. Mm-hmm. You cannot just make up theories and dictums and and observations or tell stories about experiences you have that are supposed to illustrate some fundamental innovation that you have. Okay? Without proof points. So I've been sitting here talking to you for 10 minutes or something like that. 
right? And let me tell you something about myself that is a proof point to give credibility to the things I'm saying. 60 days ago, I came into a company, right? And they were working to raise money and um, somewhat unsuccessfully, right? And the only people that would invest in the company is at a $80 million valuation. And I came in and I figured out how to tell the story of the amazing healthcare product that they have. And I went out and in December, I raised $13 million for the company at a $160 million valuation. So almost double the valuation and raising $13 million. That's the power of this material. So I want to follow up with you by saying, I am not a natural. Okay, I built this material for myself. This is sales and marketing and pitch geek blueprint. Because I don't know how to do any of this without my own architecture or blueprint. And when I go out to make a pitch, I'm not that good. I got to take the book out and I got to take my notes out and I got to build it up from the way that I just was describing. It's the blueprint for building a pitch and it works. And the proof point is I admire naturals. I try and emulate them. I study them. These guys are fucking amazing. I love them. You know, how do they do it? But I am not a natural. I am driven by process. Right? Yeah. So, 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 um, just to conclude the okay. thought, right? When you're, um, the results that I have gotten, right, have come hard fought by getting down into process and doing things, um, uh, in a blueprint and in an architecture and not winging it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's what I'm trying to provide, um, you guys some help so you don't say, well, um, um, there's no tools out there for me to do. There are very specific things, literally mad libs. You can just fill in the blanks that are good tools for pitching, uh, you know, blog information or, or a concept that you have. So let's, uh, and thank you for that. So, uh, let's go through, a really lightweight version of the pitch anything framework. Uh, you're going to start with prizing. You're going to tell an emotional, you're going to have an emotional hook. You're going to, uh, drop intrigue. You're going to sprinkle in intrigue pings with, uh, the proof points, uh, and come back and answer some of the intrigues. You're going to use push-pull patterns, um, and you're going to set hot cognitions. Uh, those are the components that when I read your book, those were the kind of the, the pieces that went into the blueprint. Is that Did I miss anything that was significant? You have it. That's You are at level 201. Let's do a simple introduction to mm-hmm. the method. Yeah. Okay. So the fundamental problem I see a hundred out of a hundred people have, right, is they are confused about what is the prize in the relationship. Oh. So oh, that's step one. Well, you're the prize or I'm the prize. The person selling is the prize, right? That's right. Yeah. Okay. So we are not pit- I am not pitching to you. You are not pitching to um um you know, your audience or, mm-hmm. or the deal you want to make and the person writing the marketing is not pitching. We, I have something. Okay. I, the blog or the marketing yeah. and writer, I have something and you don't. Okay. You are a commodity, Mr. Reader. There are millions of you out there. There's one of me that knows this stuff. Mm-hmm. I have it and you don't. Mm-hmm. I'm the prize. Mm-hmm. And what you're going to do over the course of our interaction together, 
right? Is you're going to earn your way into my deal, into the stuff that I have, okay? Into a relationship with me. I don't give that shit away. You earn it. And right now, I don't know crap about you, mm-hmm. all right? And you are going to do some things because right now there's red flags all over you. You're just a, a, a someone out there on the internet, right? Or you're just an investor mm-hmm. or you're just a buyer that I hardly know anything about. Mm-hmm. Why would I enter in a relationship? Why would I let you invest in my company? Why would I let you buy my product and enter into a long-term relationship with you until I know anything about you, okay? So before we go any further... How do you behave when you own a copier and it breaks? Okay? Do you scream and kick and shout? Can you give us two hours to get out there? Do you demand it right away? Right? How do you behave when um, uh, I give you lots of uh, um, blog information and articles and everything that I've, that I've sweated over you know, for months at a time to build a product? Right? And when you get that for free, right? do you contribute to the community? Right, So I'm the prize, you're the commodity. Let's get that straight. I'm leaving here unless I see some proof that you're a good, cool, fun, interesting person that I would ever want to work with. Mm-hmm. Okay, So let's get that straight. So Oren, I'm the prize. We, use that, we, we call that exclusions. So what That's we right. do is we say, if you're this person, you're not for me. If, you're the, if you do this... You're not, this is not going to help you. What we do is we try to get people to self-select out uh, as a way to make them earn the qualification of purchasing our product or service. That's how a marketer right. would think about it, right? In, right? in a copy perspective. So it's the same thing. Okay. So prizing though is, di- prizing is not just, uh, setting up what, you know, making, making sure that people understand that they have to do or be something to be with you. It's also about how you set yourself up. I would say frame yourself. That's just a word I would use, but it would confuse people because you have a different thing for frames. But it's, uh, it's how you position yourself at the very beginning so that people understand who it is that they're dealing with, right? That's and right. I think brands do not do that, especially in today's marketing climate where every person has a voice and they can take you down. It's very hard for a brand to feel their own power and to express that power in a way that doesn't alienate a prospect. There's a delicate balance that uh, doesn't necessarily translate equally from the boardroom to the landing page. Do you know what I mean? That I, I do. So one of the, the problems, some of the problems with the landing pages are, right, is they come in low status. Yeah. So it is very hard to prize from a low status position. Yeah. Okay. Now, the, now these tests are very, status tests are very interesting. So they dress up a guy, right, in a, in a expensive business suit and they, 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 uh, comb his hair back like Jay Peterman. They put him in the middle of Manhattan and they have him walking across the street when it's a red light into the middle of traffic. It's all set up. And people follow him, right? People follow the high-status icon. They take the same guy and they dress him up like a blue-collar worker with the lunchbox and the hat, and he goes across the same street during a red light, and much fewer, if anybody, follows him in. Status is incredibly powerful. Mm -hmm. You cannot pitch fundamentally from a low-status position. Okay, So most of what I have is about creating celebrity out of nothing. And in the book, we call it local star power, right? You're never going to um, have true 
status. So you have to create it locally, right? So true status comes from fundamental things like money, celebrity, okay, and decision-making power. So the mayor of New York has plenty of status, right? So, But you can create lots of status locally when you come in. So the example I use is if a company is going to go public and they're printing their offerings and the copier breaks, right? The copier repairman is suddenly the highest status guy in the building. And he says what happens, and he orders a cappuccino, and he takes a break when he feels like it. That's local star power. So much of what is important to me is creating celebrity or status from nothing, right? And so um, online, I think you know you have got to recognize people are hyper vigilant about because they see everything exposed. You're right there in front of them on a landing page. Right, this thing has got to look like like um, the Goldman Sachs, you know, Neiman Marcus, the best it can be. You've got to come in from a high. The video has got to be high quality. I mean, one day I saw Tim Ferriss and someone else sitting on the floor of his kitchen describing how to boil an egg. I mean, the most ridiculous thing. The most uh, um, it can survive Tim Tim's brand, right? But you know, don't do that to yourself. Don't follow that lead. High status. Um, environment for people to come in. So when you pitch to them, you have credibility, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, so we're back to talking about the method. You come in with high status. And the next high status thing is a time constraint, right? We only have a few minutes together in which I am going to pitch you for a few of them, or I'm going to tell you something important for a few of them, and then I have to go, all right? Because very few people will ever walk out on their own pitch. Right? It is a complete communication that I am not needy. I don't need you. What you are doing is being allowed to spend time with me. So I will come in. We'll come in with a high status uh, position. We do lots of things to do that. And mainly it's from the materials. The advanced materials are so aesthetically high quality and tell such a concise, well-constructed story in a great narrative arc that we come in proofed with high status. Right, and then um, the next thing we say is so. So in our environment, it's a little different from yours, but it's interesting nonetheless. So people will say, "Hey, uh, we'd like to tell you a little bit about our firm, right, um, and about ourselves." They naturally want to do that, and I say, "Stop." Yeah, I would never okay, do that. Don't do that. Yeah, stop. Don't do that right now. Okay, first of all, I have limited time. I have about twenty minutes to pitch you the deal and a and a full hour for some Q and A. Then I have to go. Why don't I pitch you the deal I have, right? And then you tell me about yourself in context of what I have. So now you start to see the method unfold, all right? That in just 30 seconds, you come in with high status. You have prized yourself. Mm-hmm. You've got frame control over the room, and we can talk about that today or a different day yeah. if we have some time, right? Um, and then all of this sets you up. To one critical point at which you have given your full pitch, right? Or you have made your offer, okay? But before saying, I want you to buy it, right? Or saying, what do you think? You can say, but that's what I have. Why don't you tell me about yourself? This is, you know, what I call qualifying back, right? Um, and this works really well in person, but I know you guys do it online too. So you come in with high status, you prize yourself, you put a time constraint, okay? You push back 
on them trying to, you know, give, tell you about themselves, right? You create the local celebrity or the local star power. And then when it comes time to do business, you can say, but wait, it's, you can't just buy what I have, right? You have to qualify yourself to get what it is. And that is a very powerful method that is, um, can work here, um, in marketing, but I can tell you is the fundamentals of operating in the boardrooms of Wall Street. All right. And so, um, some of the biggest deal makers in the world, billionaires who've read my book or I know and have given the book to have said, Oh, well, that's what we do all that stuff anyway. We just never wrote it down. <laughs> and in fact, this is, and so Jeff Hawkins. Mm-hmm who's the founder of Palm Computing, but is fundamentally a brain researcher, right? And he runs a firm called Dumenta. He's about a four, five hundred million dollar guy that I email with and talk to from time to time, right? And when I explain to him how I characterize to you the croc brain, the social brain, and the neocortex, and how they interplay with each other when you're trying to pitch a deal or provide information, Remember, the founder of Palm Computing, got $500 million, runs Numenta, a brain research institute, says, Oren, I know all that. I just didn't write it down the way you did. So uh, this is not some special craft that I have. I've tried to copy the biggest and best deal makers in the world that do it naturally and turn it into a kind of repeatable process. But this is being done every day, right, um, to to – um, do hundreds and billions of dollars of deals and we, we can, and it's extensible to the stuff you and I and your audience are doing here today online. We're going to stop right here and end part one of this two part series. Tune in for the next episode of Dishy Mix where you'll get to hear Oren and I talk more about prizing, framing, and the hook point. <laughs>